And I want you to just kind of go with me. If you didn't bring your Bible, there's one in front of you. I'm not going to be rushed on what I think these messages are. If I don't finish today, you guys that have to see four points and go out here frustrated, I can tell you right now, you get frustrated because I ain't giving you four today. Do you have them? Yeah, but it isn't going to all be done today. It's more important that I share with you what I believe is the most important message that the church has, and it's the reason for our existence. If there is no other reason to come together to me other than finding out where we're at, who we are, and are we saved or are we lost? Now, some people get say, well, that's just so elementary. Is it? Well, if you end up dying and bust hell wide open and you get, you get to hell and blame it on Mike Franklin, I got news for you. It's not going to help you. On the other hand, if you die and end up in heaven, which I, my prayer is that's where you want to go, there is a distinctive trail that Jesus left us. I want you to turn to John 10 because that trail, it's his words. He's the one that said it. And then if you're the ones in here that doubt your salvation all the time today, you may walk out there like that. But that's not my intent. And let me tell you something. It's hard to get people to doubt when you know you're saved. Now, some people believe, well, Mike, I just don't believe you can know you'll be saved. Well, listen, you don't know the Bible First John tells us that you can know without a shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life. And if you don't know, it's time to get it right. Don't wait till you die. It's too late. Jesus said in John 10, verse 9. And now these are, in my, I'm reading the King James because it, to this morning, it's not necessarily because I think that's the only version. There are preachers who believe that. And any other Bible hits their hand, they throw it on the floor. That's not who I am. I don't do that. But Jesus, this is red letter. You know what that means? If you see red letter, who's speaking? Jesus. Jesus said in John 10, verse 9, I am the door. Now, Jesus says many other times different things. But what he means is, by me, he said, If any man, woman, child, enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Now, what's that mean? That means when it comes to salvation, that means when it comes to eternal life, that means when it comes to you dying and you going to heaven, the Catholic church is not going to help you, brother. The Mormons, the Jehovah Witness, the Lutherans, All who say you have to be a member of their church before you get there, it won't buy you a cup of coffee at the Waffle House. Because salvation only comes through one. It doesn't come through solid rock. We are just a group. uh, We're just a bunch of country folk and city folk and other kind of folk. Don't know the other kind. Who just trust in Jesus. What do I trust Jesus for? That he is the door. What's that mean? 
That means if he's the door and I go through the door, then I can count on him who is the door that when I die, I'm going to be with Jesus. But if you have not went through that door, now some of you, I hear other people say, well, when you get saved, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this, you're supposed to look like that. That's hogwash. Salvation is a gift of grace and mercy. It can't, you can't add one word to it except through exception. What is that? Walk through the door. Well, I don't understand. You mean to tell me you've never walked through a door in your life? Are you that naive? Have you been that sheltered? If somebody got you in the closet, scream out. I'll help you. You know what it means to walk through a door? Jesus said, I am the door. John 14, 6. Again, red letter words. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man will ever come to the Father. Except you come through him. Who is him? Jesus. What did Jesus say he was? The door. The door to what? The entrance, and he is eternal life. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you this, that if you have accepted any other way as your Savior or your, and you're claiming to be saved and you've come at it in any other different way, you're lost. Because Jesus said, I am that way. And you've got to, Romans 10, 10 9 and 10, confess him with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised his son Jesus from the grave for you. There's not a church powerful enough to save you. There's not a man on this earth that can give you redemption. There's not a work that you can do that will guarantee you eternal life. Look at Matthew 7, 21. When I read this first time, kind of bothered me. (laughs) I started doing evaluation of my own life. Now, I'm one of those worry awards through the years that very early age walked the aisle, signed a card. They said I was a member of the church now and baptized me. But it wasn't until 16, until I was age 16, on a Sunday night, the preacher was preaching on the prodigal son that I gave my heart and life to Jesus. What did you do that night? The Holy Spirit revealed to me that I was lost. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you don't know what to be saved from until you know, first of all, you're lost and that you need to be saved unto. And I don't do that. I can't do that. The Holy Spirit does that. He's the one. And when you received him and accepted him with childlike faith, you became a newborn, blood-bought believer. There's not a church that has the ability to do that. Solid Rock don't. First Baptist Church of Covington don't. You and I are now individual priests. And we stand before a holy God 
just as the individual priest of the, of the Catholic church, of the Methodist church, or whatever church. And I'm not slamming any of them, but I'm sitting here. If I told you there was another way to be saved other than Jesus, I'm a liar. I'm a false prophet. Do you understand? Now, look at Matthew 7. I may not get beyond very far, but I'm going to have a good time with this. I'm going to enjoy this because I want you to get it. And most of you already got it. But I want you to be able to explain this to other people who want to say other things. Jesus said, red letter, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of the Father. Now, people say, see there, you got to do something. You sure do. You got to do the will of the Father. What's the will of the Father? The Father sent his Son to die for your sin and mine. A perfect sacrifice. Jesus was perfect. He's the only one that could do that. If, he, if anybody else could have done it, why didn't he send an angel? Because it had to be Jesus. You go to the book of Revelation, you find when the judgments are coming place through the tribulation period, you'll find that no one was able to open the seven seals but the Lamb that was slain. Who is that? Jesus. Why? Because he's perfect. John 1.1 1, 1 says he's God. Many, verse 22, will say to me in that day, what day? The day we stand before the Lord. Have we not preached or prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out devils in your name? Have we not done many wonderful works? Then he said in verse 23, Then I'll profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. What was he saying? Well, remember, he's the door. He's the entrance. Now, he, he taught, can people actually preach and be lost? Uh-huh. Sure can. Preaching the word don't save you. You mean to tell me you could prophesy and tell the future? You could actually, you believe, Mike, there are people that had, that, well, there are people who claim they do that. And, and there's, that, that is a gift of karyos, miracles, healing, tongues, all these things are in 1 Corinthians 12 through chapter, four, chapter 12 through chapter 14, and they're karyos gifts. What are those gifts? Those are gifts of the Holy Spirit. You mean to tell me that there are people that actually preach, prophesy, do miracles, speak in tongues, cast out devils, and do many wonderful works in the ministry? And yet Jesus told them, I tell you, I profess unto you, depart from me that are working iniquity because I never knew you. Why? Because they didn't do the will of the Father. The will of the Father is to accept Jesus as Savior and Lord. That's the will of the Father. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. It's by the grace of God. It's faith through Jesus. We're his workmanship, created unto Christ Jesus. Now, here it is, unto what? Good works. Yes, you're supposed to work, but work when you get saved. 
Don't work thinking that that's going to save you because it won't. Now, I'm leading all this up to, to different verses because, you see, you read on your own, John 3 talks about a, a dialogue between Nicodemus and Jesus. And Nicodemus came to Jesus one night and said, Hey, man, how can I be saved? He said, You must be born again. Nicodemus got all confused, but Jesus said, Look, you got to be born of the water and of the Spirit. The Church of Christ believes the water is the baptism. We'll see that today. It's not. He goes on, he explains that you must be, have a physical birth, but there also must be a what kind of birth? Spiritual birth. Well, what kind is that? That's the kind where you're born from above. That means that's a heavenly birth. That is a divine birth. And only God can do that. And I can't tell you what it looks like. I just know it happened to me. Has it happened to y'all? I, you better know. Don't, don't anticipate that you don't know that because if you don't know that, there's a good chance you're not. Please listen to me. In Jude, there's only one chapter in Jude, and Jude deals with genuine versus what's counterfeit. There is a genuine faith, and there's a counterfeit faith, and Jude deals with that. Few people know that the Secret Service has not only their duties to protect the president, but their primary, one of their primary jobs is working under the Treasury Department And one of their major jobs is try to catch counterfeiters. How many of you, when you go to check out to a counter and you give them a 50 or a 100 or a 20, now they even check fives, you see them take a pen and draw through it? Don't that just make you mad? Well, it shouldn't unless it's a counterfeit bill. And you're going to be beyond mad. You're going to lose it. Because what they're trying to do is determine whether or not that 50 or that 100 or that 20 is, is genuine, not counterfeit. You see, the Bible tells us that we have a, an obligation spiritually to look within ourselves. I'm not supposed to be trying to figure out if you're genuine or counterfeit or not. I'm supposed to make sure I'm genuine and not counterfeit. It's not my job to... F- to inspect your fruit. You ought to have fruit. I'm going to encourage you because if you're in Christ Jesus, fruit, a fruit, not fruit, but a fruit just kind of flows. And if you can play the flute, then you got some fruit. At least here on this stage. Jude knew the real thing. He was the real thing. But he could, spit, he could spot a spiritual counterfeit in the church 50 pews away. I don't go looking for the. You, mean, you want to know why I don't try to find out who, who is and who's not? Because of the parable of the, of the wheat and the tares. That's why I don't. And by the way, Jesus teaches us that. Who are the wheat? Genuine. Who are the tares? tares? Counterfeit. What did Jesus say that well, you and I, your responsibility, my responsibility when it comes to the wheat and the tares? Don't. Try to separate them. Don't try to figure it out. It's not our job. Quit that. 
Because it'll, it'll create within you a critical spirit. You'll, you'll, you'll think you're smarter than everybody else. You'll walk around. All you'll do, rather than finding people to talk to people about Jesus, you're going to be trying to go around and say, well, I'm saved, but you're not. I'm better than you. You're not better than nobody. Man, there wasn't but one good and righteous, and he lives within me, and his name is Jesus. You see, I've hung out a lot. I've hung out in my life over the last 40 years with ordained ministers more than typically. And, man, if I found out there ain't a bunch of scammers out there, there are a lot of people that are standing in pulpits, and it seems like their job is to, to, and a burning desire to disprove, to neutralize, and change Christianity. Look, it proves to me there's an enemy. And that enemy is not technically fighting the churches today. The enemy's joining them. And that's what the wheat and tares are all about. That's right. Satan's has placed within churches and colleges and universities and and in our government spiritual counterfeits. Every counterfeit looks like the real thing, but they're not. Now, this is what Jude says. When these people who join your fellowship or your body, meals celebrating the love of the Lord, they're like dangerous reefs. They can shipwreck you. They're shameless in the way they care only about themselves. They're very selfish, very clannish. They're like clouds blowing over a dry land without giving rain, promising much but producing nothing. They act like trees without the fruit of harvest. I studied for a little while the real thing. I mean, I, I, hear, I hear a lot of different people have all kind of different things. That, but, but are you going to sit here and tell me that your opinion is more important than the opinion of the Word of God? Colossians 2.8 says this. Don't let anyone lead you astray with empty philosophy, high-sounding nonsense that come through from human thinking and from evil powers of this world, and not from Jesus. Verse 9, Colossians 2, 9. For in Jesus Christ, the fullness of the Godhead lives in human form, in a human body. Jesus came. He was 100% man, but he was also 100% God. And he came... For us to show us the way. Verse 10, it says in Colossians 2, you're complete through your union with Christ. He is the Lord over every ruler and authority in the universe. Uh, Verse 11, when you and I came to Christ, we were circumcised. You say, now wait a minute. I'm not talking about physical circumcision. That was of the Jewish descent. That was the Old Testament Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33 says, The new covenant that I will make with the people of Israel and also the people of the Gentiles, I will put my laws in their minds and I will write, their, their, I will write them on their 
hearts. He will do away with the old stony heart of the Old Testament, and you and I will receive a new heart, a divine nature, a nature that comes from God. You see, the circumcision was not by a physical procedure. It was by a spiritual procedure, which was the cutting away of your old sinful nature. You were born with the old sinful nature. Where'd you get it? From Adam. I got it from them. You got it from Adam. We all are born, and then we inherit the old sinful nature. If I die, listen to me. If, if I die with only the old sinful nature inside of Mike, I will not go to heaven. Can't go there. I will only go to where Satan is. What has to take place? There has to be a spiritual procedure. A cutting away of that old sinful nature. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, that is, he's gone through the door of salvation, he's received Jesus, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. What are the old things that have passed away? Adam's nature. It's gone. You say, oh, wait a minute, Mike. We'll talk about that wait a minute in a minute. You see, we have become new, which means we have received a new heart. We're a new person. The old person, the old life, 2 Peter 1, 4 says, we've been made partakers of his divine nature. When did you become a partaker of God's divine nature? When you got saved. There's no subsequent events. There's no get it now and a little bit now. You get it all. <laughs> and now you have within you the ability to say you're a child of God. Jesus has to be in you or you're not saved. How does that take place? Well, I'll tell you how it took place to me. The Holy Spirit made me aware of one thing. I didn't have it. I was lost. I was undone. And I needed something. And then I found out through wise people that what I didn't have was my divine nature. I didn't have I wasn't a partaker of the divine nature. I had not received Jesus in my heart. Colossians 2.13 says, You and I were dead because of our sins and because of our sinful nature was not yet cut away, which is through spiritual circumcision. We, when you were saved, Jesus forgave not just one sin. He forgave all sin. Now, some of you said, Boy, that sounds good. But Mike, after I got saved, it. next day I sinned. Really? Found out you wasn't perfect, didn't you? The only thing that makes your divine nature and my divine nature perfect is not your works. It's not. It's Jesus. And when he shed his blood on Calvary's brow, he forgave eternally every sin that you would ever commit. Now, that's for salvation. 
It's good stuff. Because I got news for you. You can't save yourself. No way. You don't have the ability nor the power. Colossians 2.14 says, He canceled the record that contained the charges against you, and he took it and destroyed it by nailing it to the cross of Jesus. Isn't that cool? Everything you've ever done and you will ever do when it comes to your eternal destiny was nailed and covered under the blood. Well, I don't believe that. Well, then you'll never get saved. I just believe I got to do something. Yeah, I do too, but unfortunately, I can't do that. I got to receive that. I have to accept that by faith. You cannot move away from salvation being from faith in Christ and that you have to believe and trust him that he's telling you the truth. What I'm talking about is genuine faith. Paul says in Romans 8, because of all that, now there is no condemnation for those who belong in Christ. There's nobody to condemn you if the Father don't condemn you. Yeah, but Mike, I still sin. Can I tell you a secret? I do too. I sinned it. Does that make it right because I sin? No, sir. First John, one night, two believers. One night, two believers, two people who have been saved. He says, confess your sin to the Father who's faithful. You say, well, now, wait a minute. I thought you just said that there are all those sins are confessed all the way to eternal life. They are in eternal life. When I accepted my wife, Cindy, as my wife, I told her that I would stay with her until death do us part. Now, she's thought of many a times, and probably it crossed my mind a time or two, that we could end this thing. Because when it comes to the flesh, flesh sometimes is tough. You live in a body called a human body. Ten. You live in flesh. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that that body is not going to heaven. You go, but it's going where? Wherever it lies when you exit it. It's unredeemed. It's not saved. But that one day there's going to be a resurrection. Now, I'm not going to argue over whether you think it's before the seven years of tribulation or in the middle of the tribulation or after. I'm not going to argue that with you. I know what I believe. I'm a pre-tribulationist. You can believe anything you want to. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. It's just going to take place. And if you don't know Jesus, when Jesus does come, you ain't going. If you have not been made a divine partaker of the new nature, you're not going. Hear me well. Because the thing to pray about is not whether or not you're going to sin or not. I already know that. If Jesus hadn't have known that, we wouldn't have 1 John 1, 9. Now, does that give us an excuse because we are sealed, filled, and secure 
Does that give us the, the right to live the way we want to? Absolutely not. Because you're a child of God. You've been given the power to say now no to every sin that's ever plagued you. You know what your problem is? You know what my problem is? There are sins we don't want to say no to. We just need to be honest and deal with it through truth and honesty. Don't go blaming it on the devil. The devil can't make you sin. He, can't, he, he can only do, set a good table for you to tempt you. He can't make you cave. There will be a time when the new divine nature, you say, well, Mike, when I die right now, what, what am I giving? You're giving a glorified body. You say, I don't believe that. Well, I can only take you to the Mount of Transfiguration. When Jesus was still on the earth, And the Bible says two men from heaven came and prayed with him. Who were they? Moses and who? Elijah. One of them, I think, was translated. but, But one of them died. So where did that put his body? In the ground. But when they looked and they saw around Jesus, that's Moses. Look, I'm not God, and I'm not going to try to figure out all that stuff, what he does right now. But you're not a spirit just kind of floating around trying to find something to get in. You're distinguishable. And God knows until the time of the resurrection when your body then will be brought back from the dust that it went to and you will live in that body. You say, well, what age will it be? I don't know. Tony Evans says 33. Well, what about my baby, two babies, girls that died? What, what, how old will they be? I don't know. I don't know everything. I just know they're there. But one thing you better know is you were given the sinful nature at birth. But if you do not have the new divine nature, you're lost. And you know not Jesus. Romans 8.38 says, Because you and I can be sealed, and we can be filled, and we can be secure... Romans 8, 38 says, nothing can ever separate you from God's love. Death can't, life can't, angels can't, the demons can't, our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, and even in the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. Remember this, because this helps me when I, Satan knows he can mess with me every once in a while and say, Mike, you preach all that stuff, but you're as lost as a goose. Does the devil ever do you that way? I said, no, wait a minute. I mean, what Jesus says, ladies and gentlemen, when you come to him and you focus on him, because we're going to read and get in Colossians where there's characteristics of your life and mine of what what a genuine believer looks like. And that's what we're going to be looking at next, next Sunday. What are those characteristics? What are those beliefs? But you know what I want to just establish today? If you stood before Jesus right today, I mean, we all just got caught up, and we're standing there in line. Why, if Jesus were to say this, why should I let you in my heaven? Why? What are you going to tell him? 
Are you going to tell him? Well, my grandmother, she was a godly woman. My wife was a godly woman. She told me about Jesus, and I just believe because she believed in Jesus, I'm going to get saved. That ain't the way it works. Each individual has to accept him. It's a personal thing. You will know if you have it, and the Holy Spirit will reveal it if you don't. What Jesus wants to hear, because he already knows. He wants to hear that you know. Jesus, I stepped through the door of eternal life. I accepted you. I prayed, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I'm lost. And Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, save me. And you know what? He did it. He come into this old depressed, ashamed Tennessee volunteer. Apparently none of you watch the football game. That's pitiful. If I had any pride, I lost it all last night. Pitiful. Yeah, I did. But let me tell you some good news. I don't have to depend on the Tennessee Volunteer football team or Florida or Georgia or Alabama or whoever you're for to get me to heaven. I am relying on the Almighty. I am relying on Jesus who said, Mike, accept me, brother, with faith and trust in the grace of God. What I'm giving you, Mike, is a gift, and you've got to take out and receive it. And once you receive it, nobody can ever take it away from you. And that's, my friend, is what Jesus did when he came to this earth.